This is episode 28 of Cinescope, and he is coming. Cover your butt. Welcome to Cinescope, where our goal is not to criticize or to assign ratings, but rather to celebrate the movies we love, exploring story, characters, music, and relevance to the world around us. I'm your host, Chad Hopkins, and joining me today is Dave Trumbor to talk about one of our favorite films, The Lego Movie. Dave, how are you doing tonight? Doing just fine, Chad. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. No problem at all. I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, How about you tell us a little bit about who you are, and then I'll talk about how we know each other a little bit. Sure. So like Chad said, I'm Dave Trumbor. I'm an associate editor for Collider.com, where I write news and reviews for TV shows and movies with a special focus on animation. I also contribute to Nerdist's science channel. So if you happen to be on their website, you might have seen my name pop up over there. I'm also a co-host for the Saturday Morning Cartoons podcast, where we revisit, review, and ridicule some of the world's weirdest animated series. I was actually listening to your Saturday Morning Cartoons uh, at a Netty episode on the way home from watching another movie tonight, which I'm going to leave a surprise for the listeners for now because it's pretty cool and uh, they'll find out soon enough. (laughs) Definitely. But uh, yeah, I think the way we found each other on Twitter, it was actually through Destiny of all things. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I had seen like you tweeting it or something and I tweeted back. I'd been following all the people in Collider for a while and then uh, we just started interacting a little bit over Destiny of the Game, which is something that we've talked about on the show. And uh, it just sort of blossomed a little bit from there. And we, we chat every now and then on various movie-related things most of the time. Yeah, that's the cool thing about social media is you never quite know where you're going to cross paths with somebody next. So it's interesting that you do the your movie podcast and you obviously have an interest in, in movie, TVs, video games, the same kind of cultural you know area that we all exist in. And then I've obviously, I've been writing for Collider for about six years now. But I just started to get into sort of Twitch and uh, video game streaming over the last couple of years. So it's just kind of funny how those kind of intersected. And now here we are. Exactly. Um, and I, I love Collider. They're one of my favorite news sites as far as entertainment news goes. So uh, definitely everybody go check out Dave's work there and uh, Saturday Morning Cartoons and Nerdist, of course. Yeah, appreciate that very much. Now, before we get to talking about our movie tonight, just a quick reminder to everybody, go to iTunes and please consider helping out the podcast by rating and reviewing and subscribing. As I say every week, it's a big help, more than you could possibly know, um, unless you have your own podcast, of course, and then you know exactly how much those things matter. So please take a couple of minutes out of your day and consider uh, giving us that boost, and we definitely appreciate it. With that aside, Dave, are you ready to talk about the Lego movie? Let's get to it. Excellent. So this movie was released on February 7th of 2014. So as of tomorrow, that is three years ago, um, it was directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who also directed Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. And they're also set to direct the upcoming Han Solo Star Wars spinoff film. So we have that to look forward to in the not too distant future. The movie was written by Lord and Miller, and the music was by Mark Mothersbaugh, who's known probably primarily from Devo, the 80s electronic band. And he's been very involved with Rugrats, the cartoon, Nickelodeon cartoon in both TV and film, Halloween Town and uh, Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge for Disney Channel, Hotel Transylvania 1 and 2, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 1 and 2, both 21 and 22 Jump Street, and the upcoming Thor Ragnarok. 
This movie stars Chris Pratt, Elizabeth Banks, Will Ferrell, Morgan Freeman, Will Arnett, Nick Offerman, Allison Brie, Charlie Day, Liam Neeson, Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill, and Kobe Smulders. So we've got quite a stacked cast in this film. Now, what was your first experience with this movie, Dave? Yeah, so I was actually trying to think back. Like you said, it was uh, just about three years ago, and that was actually around the time that I had come to Atlanta from L.A. So I'd been in L.A. for about two years, and I actually moved to Atlanta um, in the fall of 2013, I believe, to uh, be with my current girlfriend, and we actually went to go see this movie together. Now, I was talking to her earlier today, and it was like, you know, was this for work? Did we have free passes? Like, what was the deal? Why did we go to this thing? Because we don't go out. Believe it or not, as movie reviewers and movie critics, I don't actually get to see movies in the theater all that often. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of a special treat. But it turns out it was just kind of like a fun Saturday morning thing to do. Um, I don't think there was any real specific reason that we went to it, but it was just a nice Saturday morning out. And we were super thrilled um, with the result of the Lego movie. It was, a, it was a heck of a good time, a lot of fun, and... You know, every once in a while, that theme song to the movie still gets stuck in your head. So it's definitely stayed with us the last three years. Was your excitement level pretty high going into the movie? Do you remember? You know, it was kind of my expectations were kind of low only because I wasn't, you know, I was a Lego fan when I was a kid, but I hadn't gotten into the sort of multimedia that they've grown into, which I think is absolutely brilliant. I mean, the Lego toy to begin with is brilliant from a, a physics and physical standpoint but also from sort of a, a merchandising and marketing standpoint too, because they've kind of created this one base toy that can then be, you know, branched out into any different thing that comes across the cultural landscape. And that's just a brilliant thing to do. And one of the things that the Lego movie did was kind of take that to another level. So for me, I was like, this is a cool idea, but I don't know how well it's going to be executed. The only thing I was really interested in was seeing how Lord and Miller handled the property because they had already come off a couple of successes in the comedy world, live action comedy. I actually had a chance to interview them on set for, uh, I believe it was 22 Jump Street. So that was kind of my excitement for the movie was seeing how they handled animation and how they followed up the success of their earlier movies. Great. For me, I don't remember my exact level of excitement going in. At the time, I was a co-host of a different podcast, the Movie Bite podcast, which I've talked about on the show before with my friend TJ Draper. And so I don't remember if it was more of an obligation that I went, but I think there was definitely some sort of level of excitement. I did see it opening weekend, and at the end of the day, or its period of time in theaters, I saw it four times in theaters. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I... I love this movie, Dave. I, it's one of my all-time favorite animated movies. I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, and for me, I've always been a fan of more the Lego video games than the Lego product itself. I, I certainly right. had like the Harry Potter sets, I think, is was my main Lego focus growing up, is I had all the Harry Potter collector sets. Um, I don't have those anymore because I gave them away, <laughs> but that, that was my sort of gateway into legos and then from there the lego harry potter video games and the lego star wars video games for sure those were first and uh i've, I've played almost every single one of those uh franchise lego video games since they've come out and uh this one uh sort of spawned the lego dimensions video game which i'm still a big fan of i have every set for lego dimensions and there are actually some pseudo tie-ins in this movie that or 
in the video game that are a result of this movie, I should say. And uh, so that, that's, that was my connection with this movie. That was my experience going into it and coming out. And uh, let's go ahead and dive into what we love about it. So what, what in the story really attracts you, Dave? Yeah, so I mean, there's just so much because it was handled in such a great way. It wasn't just a, a uh, you know, a cut and dry formulaic plot that you've seen a thousand times. I mean, they they took a lot of, let me try to break it down a little bit. So uh, first of all, I love the energy that the story brought. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't just that like, there was this chaotic energy that had no kind of focus in any one direction. Everything that happened that was uh, sort of frenetic and random and playful, it all served the story. There was always something happening in the scene, even if there were 15 different things going on, it all was serving to advance the story forward. And this story kind of focuses on the quote-unquote chosen one mythology, but it kind of reveres it with one hand and then sort of pokes fun at it with another. And that's another thing I really loved about the approach uh, in the Lego movie. It wasn't anything that was, um, you know, they weren't beholden to any specific story. It was an original take, but they kind of went with this whole idea of a chosen one, a special, a, a chosen savior who is going to do all the right things, make all the right moves, never screw anything up and end up saving the day in the end. And then they completely flip that on its head. And that was one of the most fun things about this script is to see how they took that idea, played with it, and then turned it into something that was redemptive and meaningful and really, you know, emotionally powerful at the end. Um, other than that, probably the Easter eggs that you you mentioned, I'm sure there's a lot that I've missed because I haven't played, you know, most of the Lego video games. I haven't collected most of the sets over the last 15 years or so. Um, so there's probably a lot that I missed, but that's actually really cool because that means there's always something new for me to explore when I go back and, and watch this again. The puns, of course, were fantastic. Anything from the piece of resistance to the craggle to honestly, like anything on any given page of the script, there's some sort of pun uh, working there. And if you like that sort of humor, like I do, then this is a really entertaining ride for you. Oh man. I mean, I could keep going on and on from the characters, <laughs> the world design, just the, the general message that this movie, uh, brings to you. But, um, I, I'll give you a chance to jump in here too. So what about you? I think that this movie proved for me that Chris Lord and Phil, Chris Lord, Phil Miller, did I get that right? Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Right. Um, I almost screwed up too. Don't feel bad. <laughs> Lord and Miller. That's the, exactly, the, yeah. the bottom line. Uh, they are the kings of bad ideas because you put this idea on paper. We're going to make a movie about Legos. And I mean, we've seen how toy games or toy movies in the past have fared. Cough, cough, Transformers, right? right. Um, they, they aren't typically the most successful thing. Um, with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which was based on this obscure animated book that I, I read back in a, as when I was a kid right. and uh, 21 Jump Street, which is a reboot of like an 80s, 90s TV show starring yeah. Johnny Depp. Uh, th these things don't really sound all that great on paper, but each of them has been both a critical and financial success, all of them. And uh, Lego Movie not being an exception. And so I, it really proves to me how exceptional these two are at filmmaking. Um, this movie knows exactly what it is. It's uh, a, it's fun and it's ridiculous, and it embraces it. It's tongue-in-cheek, it's self-aware, it's very Muppets-esque in its humor approach, which I love because I love the Muppets. And uh, they know within the Lego world that they're Legos, and they, they do things like take off parts of their bodies in order to put other parts on, or they disassemble their vehicles and reassemble it into something else, or they follow instructions, just like 
real children do when playing with Legos nowadays. It, it's, it's very self-aware in that way. And I, I love the way that the, the master builders in the game see all the Lego parts as literally that Lego parts. They see the, the identification number as if you were to go to the Lego website and type in the identification number, it would pull up a specific part so that you could order that specific part. And that's how they see the, the bricks in this movie if you're a master builder. And I love that. And uh, then, of course, we have the human relics within this world, which are ridiculous <laughs> because they're they're mispronounced they're being used for purposes other than we intend them for it, it's, it's just a creative way to look at everything and to fit it into this wider universe as we come to find it is it's not strictly its own world it's within our world which is really cool yeah and for me it kind of takes me back to like in childhood you have this this imaginative place that you kind of play it could be a literal sandbox it could just be an imagined sandbox but when you have these toys that are like on such a smaller scale than you are you kind of have to build this world around them so i mean i remember playing with like gi joes where you would turn like the couch and all the cushions into like just this this like mountain fortress and like underneath it would be uh, like a layer of like caverns and then up the side, you'd have to like climb a rope. And I mean, kids are so imaginative, but it's almost like Lord and Miller never grew up or at least never lost that. <laughs> they still have that that playful imagination to them, but they do it in such a way that it's structured and it makes sense. And it's not just chaotic and random and without purpose. It's it's really surprising that they're able to pull these things off so well and to take the idea of Lego, hit all the beats that you expect to see in a Lego franchise, but also play with it in a way that is like i said playful entertaining and and really emotional too they do a fantastic job across the board you really can't say enough good things about it right and the humor itself whether it's self-referential or whether it's just physical comedy it's it's one of the funniest movies i think i've ever seen i laugh at everything in this movie i i'm a madman when i watch this movie um the the physical stuff the smart referential stuff uh i mean like simple things like taco the s is silent and of course he's talking about the acronym t-a-k-o-s right uh, it, it it doesn't like there's no reason that should make sense but because he said it why not of course it makes sense it's yeah it helps that it's will ferrell too <laughs> yes it does definitely um and that that initial craggle reveal we we hear about the craggle the craggle what's the craggle it's right uh, this this giant monstrous weapon that's going to take over the world and it's crazy glue with some letters scratched out that that's right. genius that's so funny and uh, to, to maybe cap off this section, I just love the colors of this movie. I love the vibrancy of everything and the, the stop motion-esque photorealistic animation style. It's just wonderful to just look at, especially on like Blu-ray or a, a high definition digital release. Definitely too. And it's not just that, you know, it kind of starts in Brickburg or, or Bricksburg. It actually, they have multiple worlds that they kind of go to and visit. And that's great, not only for Lego enthusiasts who have different, you know, you've got like a Wild West theme, you've got a space theme, you've got a medieval theme, so many different themes that you can't even possibly list them all. And they take the time to visit each of those kind of areas. And it's also part of the, the overall plot that there are these delineated areas within that world too. So they, they really did their homework and they knocked it out of the park. Yes, they did. Um, now let's talk about characters. So sure. uh, how about just Emmett? What do you have to say about Emmett right off the bat? Man, you know what? Emmett, it's it's funny that Emmett is supposed to be the kind of the blank slate that the audience can put themselves into. This is so weird that I found him kind of the least, I don't know, I don't want to say interesting, but maybe the least interesting of all the, hero, <laughs> of all the heroes or villains. Now, 
I mean, you're kind of supposed to feel that way because of what Emmett's arc is throughout the movie. He does kind of realize at one point he's like, I'm just literally a blank slate. Like, I, I don't have a thing. I'm not known for anything. I don't have any special talents. And over the course of the movie, you learn to, uh, you, you watch as Emmett discovers what his abilities are and what his uh, benefits are and what strengths he brings to this group. But honestly, for me, Emmett was just kind of not as interesting as everybody else that was on screen. <laughs> and I feel, it makes me feel kind of bad saying that because that's what everybody else was saying. Well, I think that's fair, but it's because of that, that he has the greatest arc of any right. of the other characters on the screen. I mean, I, I have like three quarters of a page of notes on this guy. For starters, he's just like delightfully naive. Yeah. He, he's, he's a good guy who just doesn't know how to think for himself. He's not individualistic. He's not unique or, or special in any way. So when Wildstyle first shows up and tells him he's all of those things, right? it's the first time he's ever heard it. And that that's kind of heartbreaking. There's there's this moment when he's being interrogated by Bad Cop, mm -hmm. and you see this, this video reel of these interviews with his so-called friends. And some of them don't recognize him. Some of them just say, you know, these other guys have a thing. Emmett just does everything and says yes to what he's been told to do. And there, there's nothing to him beyond that. And you see it sort of dawning on him. Oh, I, I guess that's right. These guys aren't my friend because I haven't made an impression on them because I'm not enough of a me to do that. Yeah, that was kind of heartbreaking, too, because it was it was that moment where a character turns the mirror on themselves and they see what everyone else is seeing for the first time. So whether that is a villain who's been doing terrible things and is finally faced with his his villainy and the destruction and chaos that he's caused, or whether it's a, a hero in the making who... <laughs> who doesn't see his own strengths, but then also realizes that everybody else thinks he has no strengths either and basically has no worth. And that's one of the worst possible feelings I think you can ever have. So the fact that we get to see that fairly early on in this story, it not only paints Emmett as a blank slate of a character, it also paints him as a blank slate for, okay, where can we go from here? How can we build this guy up? What is he going to do? What is he going to bring to this story to make us, uh, you know, get behind him as a hero to support him and to really cheer for him at the end of the day. And that's one of the, like you said, he's easily got the best arc. Uh, I'll argue that in a second. I'll argue against what I just said in a second. <laughs> but he's got probably the best arc in the movie. Possibly one of my other favorite characters has has an equally uh, exceptional arc. Yes, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, he He's an example of the unexceptional, or right. at least maybe to put it a, a nicer way, not quite exceptional and that that's what we can identify with. He, he His lack of uniqueness makes the payoff later. Once he believes in himself, he comes back, he's a master builder. It makes that return so much more satisfying. And I mean, Emmett's just like this, this personification of the idea that we all want to be told we're special. We all want to be told, or at least at, at the very least, not be told that we're not special. I think right. either, either of those goes. And sometimes we learn from him it's sometimes better to work together or as a team than to to go out and be by yourself because he's not um top-notch a-game exceptional person he he fits into the the team mold which isn't a bad thing right. we learn from him that's not a bad thing and then in that in the the irony in us learning that through him is that uh he creates the plan to uh, enter Octan Tower to try and put the piece of resistance on the craggle. And so his creativity is revealed through his lack of creativity. And I, I think that's a, a great way to develop that character. 
Yeah, and it was amazing. And honestly, what they did throughout this entire movie, where the Lego movie really um, excels, normally you have a movie where they say the loner is the the way to go. And then you have another movie that says being a, a team player is the way to go. And it's like you get that one solitary message that's very binary. It's either all one way or all another, depending on the movie you watch. This movie literally gives you both messages and then asks you to kind of figure it out as a dynamic, living, breathing character because it's life is not that simple it's complicated sometimes you have to do more one way sometimes you have to do more the other and they also play with that within the story itself when they talk about a chosen one there's a lot of back and forth with how you know this prophecy and you know it's real because it rhymes and then oh maybe i just made this part up and maybe if you just (laughs) believe then that's all you really need it doesn't matter what the story says if you believe you'll be fine so it's great there's this duality where they're they're playing both sides of the message but they're giving it even footing so that emmett just kind of has to figure out his way as he goes and that honestly at the end of the day is one of the best messages in the movie agreed so who is your character that you would argue has the better arc i want to hear and this is this is president slash lord business. He was hands down one of my favorite characters in this movie. And because he's so easy to hate, especially at the beginning of the movie and throughout 95% of it. Uh-huh. But that last that last chunk where we really get to see the truth behind president and lord business, uh, the reveal of the man upstairs, what is actually going on with this Lego world and how it actually kind of exists as almost a frame story. Uh, for a whole other world that exists outside of this Lego universe. When I first saw that in the theater, that blew my mind because I was not expecting it whatsoever. I thought it was very clever. I thought it was well done. But then just that was the real emotional gut punch. You know, you'd spent all this time with these actual Lego characters. And then, you know, spoiler alert for a three-year-old movie, there is a live action section that comes in here. And that's where, you know, flesh and blood characters interact with each other to really hammer home the, the message of this. So... It's rare that you get to see a villain who is very good at being a villain on one end of the movie and actually gets a chance at redemption, even though he's been defeated, gets a chance at redemption at the end of the movie. And you rarely get to see that full arc for a villain. They're usually just defeated. They disappear in a puff of smoke or they're sent off to jail and that's it. You never get to see them actually like be rehabilitated within the course of like a 90 minute movie. So I really have a tough time picking someone better as a favorite character than uh, Lord Business. I'm actually inclined to agree with you on this one yeah. because it's Lord Business slash the man upstairs, right. uh, that character that I do find the most emotional resonance with. And I wouldn't say the best kind of villains do this, but one of the most interesting ways to frame a villain is to show him doing the wrong things for what in his mind are the right reasons. Sure. He's not just a purely evil character. He sees chaos in the world and he's just trying to reduce that chaos. And of course, the, going about it the wrong way, trying to super glue everybody down, that's not exactly the way to accomplish a goal like that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that having him have positive motivations behind his actions allows him that redemption at the end. And I, I love that. There's the moment when uh, Will Ferrell looks down and he he pulls out the bad guy. He's told that the bad guy is in there and he pulls it out and, oh, snap, this is me. Yeah. And he looks over to his son and he just gives this look that like breaks my heart because he realizes that he is the bad guy in his own son's story. And it's not like a cool bad guy. It's, it's a bad, like, he's just the bad guy. He's not it's everything that he doesn't want to be. And he looks around the room and he sees all these do not touch signs and he starts exploring the space and he sees, he, he says, wow, 
did you make all this? And he right. realizes his son's own creativity that he's stifling. And he just has this moment where he thinks to himself, am I doing the right thing as a parent? Uh, apparently not if I'm the bad guy. And then they, they share this embrace. And it's at the same time where uh, Lord Business within the, the Lego Tower shares an embrace with Emmett, uh, which is funny. But uh, it, it's that's the moment in the movie that I definitely sort of get misty eyed or, or tear up the most. Um, because I, I mean, I'm a sucker for those father son kind of relationships, but the way it, it builds and the way it links together from the real world to the Lego world really, uh, emotionally resonates with me. Yeah. And it's really hard not to, I mean, that's, that's the moment for the movie. Like if that lands, like I think it does for most people, then you've, you've sold the entire movie, like everything up to that point and everything that comes next is great. But I mean, that is the emotional anchor point for this movie. So if that message reaches you fantastic they've done their job and if it doesn't well i i don't quite get it because every time i watch it 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 really hits home for me and it's just (laughs) such a great a great message because you know the man upstairs not a terrible guy like you said he's just kind of he's very controlling he wants order instead of chaos he wants things his way and then it it serves as the frame story for the whole world of legos where you know they have this legend where once upon a time different characters from different lands were able to intermingle together and they were able to create freely and they were able to make uh, all kinds of wondrous and imaginative things. But then this kind of regime came in that locked everything down, sometimes literally with the crazy glue and drew up walls, you know, built literal walls and drew lines in the sand and separated everybody out and, and kind of put them in their own packages. And this movie, again, it, it oscillates between those two things. I think it exists in a spectrum where, you know, you've got rigid, crazy glue order on one side, and you've got like crazy cloud city bonkers craziness on the other side, but everything exists somewhere in the middle of that kind of fluid spectrum. And they play with that on both sides. And that, that to me is like a message that will, I will try to carry out throughout my future endeavors, either as a, just a person in the world, as a hopeful parent someday, and as a creative person as well, something that'll really stick with me. Right. I think it's a special kind of movie that lets its heroes lessen to that that you can be the special you can be this important person if you just believe in yourself and you you act on it and apply that to the villain as well there's yeah. not a whole lot of movies that give that to you so no. they do give it to us here and i think it's fantastic um now now wild style or lucy as we yeah. learn her name is she's sort of the opposite of emmett in a lot of ways i was realizing she she is the special person who comes to realize that she's not so special um, at least in terms of being the special as she so desperately wants to be. And so she comes over the course of the film to realize that not being the special is okay. She comes to, to identify and see the importance of the normal citizens who have, who are exceptional in their own way. And then she comes to value people who care about her rather than people who are selfish and standoffish to a certain extent. And uh, I, I really like her arc as well. Yeah, and she definitely got some heroic moments throughout. I mean, she kind of plays almost this this Trinity-like character from The Matrix when uh, she's first introduced. I'm sure that was some inspiration for them to begin with. But then she has, like you said, her own realization where she was supposed to be chosen and special, but that's not how things played out. So she does her best to help, you know, guide Emmett and to train him up as best she can and to kind of help him along the way, not necessarily in the nicest of ways. Uh, everybody, the all the master builders, despite all their skills, really got to work on their interpersonal people skills because they're kind of jerks. Right. <laughs> at times. 
Yeah, and speaking of that, I mean, we can sort of transition that into Lego Batman because in this movie, he is like the ultimate selfish hero. He, it, it's funny because we've come to be accustomed to like Nolan's Batman. We've been introduced to Affleck's Batman and Batman v Superman, and they are very different than the Batman we see here. There's the heroism. There's the the awesome feats of action and cool fight scenes and all that kind of stuff. But in this version, he's especially full of himself and stuck up and completely selfish. And I think it's a, it's a fun new twist because it, it allows stuff like the, the heavy metal Batman. He's a serious artist right. and <laughs> that kind of stuff, which we, we don't typically get from our Batman iterations. No. And Will Arnett does a great job voicing the character. He's oh, got he does. some great one-liners that, you know, you know, after throwing 15 batarangs at a switch trying to hit it and he finally hits it and just goes, first time. Like that's a, <laughs> that's a thing that has carried on for, uh, for years now. So a great kind of switch on that character to kind of see a different side of, of Batman that was kind of goofy, but trying to be brooding at the same time. And, and a great addition to the main, uh, the core cast of characters in the Lego movie. That's one of the other strengths is that they can pull from, you know, the DC Comics universe. You've not only got Batman, you've also got Superman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. You've got characters from, like you mentioned, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, kind of all over the place. And it's great that they kind of take these moments to, when you need to break up the tension a little bit between the main characters, you can kind of just jump over to one of these side characters for a quick, quick little comedic beat. And you get something funny every time that just, it really just helps the narrative flow. Just keep going. Yeah, it's fantastic that they were able to get at least one major franchise character to be right. a major character in this movie, and Batman was just the perfect choice. And I, I love how he's sort of a combination of all the Batmans we've seen over time, and he even makes one of my favorite lines in the whole film when he says, he's a hero you deserve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have nice nods to everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other characters you want to talk about briefly or... What? Man, real briefly, just Liam Neeson's bad cop, good cop is such oh, for a sure. clever little device that they carry throughout the entire movie. And he's even got a fun arc. I mean, this is like a like a henchman, right-hand man villain. You, you never get to see those guys have like a fun arc. They might have some redemption at the end of the day if they take down their boss, but you never get to see them go like completely from from one to uh to like a 180 and and he literally does 180s with his face because he goes from bad cop to good cop so much fun with that character um for me the other only other ones to mention unikitty super fun uh some cute and uh really surprising moments for unikitty mm -hmm. um i really love the duplo invaders at the end oh yeah that was just such a fun like what the moment that like it was it was great for kids who had grown up with Duplo and Lego just to see that come out of left field. Just a fantastic moment. Yeah, it, it's a fun sort of Incredibles underminer moment that right. uh, implies a continued adventure of these characters together. And I, I've got to say, I do love Liam Neeson as good bad cop. Um, the the switching back and forth. It's it's another example of the Miller and Lord taking stereotypes and really just flipping them on their head or almost. Um, taking them and making them completely literal. So like yep. you said, the, the the switching head and having it both be voiced by Liam Neeson. I, right. I, 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 there are, there's video that exists of Liam Neeson voicing both of these characters like in a single session. And it's fantastic watching him go back and forth between voicing the dark brooding uh, bad cop into the, the light, happy, go lucky, good cop. And one of the moments in the film that uh, makes me laugh is uh, as they're invading 
Octane Tower and mm-hmm. good cop is sh- or bad cop is shown in the security place overlooking the craggle. And there's just this brief clip of him singing Oh Danny Boy, uh, the Scottish traditional song. And it's there's no reason for it to be there except right. Liam Neeson's Scottish. Liam Neeson, so yeah. why not? <laughs> it, it's just a, a funny little reference. Yeah, one of those things that always made me laugh with him was him redrawing his good face back on. It's very cringy oh, yeah. because it's so creepy looking, <laughs> but it's also hilarious. So, yeah. Oh, and the 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 kicking the chair around. Yes. He's got so many great moments that like you could just watch a supercut of Good Bad Cop and I'd be happy watching those like 15 minutes. Totally me too. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, what about the music? Um the, the 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 music that everybody walks away from this movie with is Everything is Awesome. Right. Which uh it's an awesome song one because it's it's goofy and it's fun and it features the lonely island talking about ridiculous things um but it also features sort of the one of the main messages of the movie which is everything is great when you work as part of a team and uh, i i really like that sort of double meaning it, it it sort of transforms over the course of the movie because at the beginning it's used to show the uniformity of bricksburg right. and every everybody's in line and everybody's doing exactly what they're told and they listen to this song all day long but by the end it's just look at what we just accomplished as a team and i think that's really cool yeah i mean you nailed it there that it, it has a shifting it's the same song but it has a shifting message over the course of the movie in the beginning it says you know it's everything is awesome well that's sort of at this point like everyone's a winner and it's like everything's a priority. If if everything is something, then nothing is. So if everything is awesome, then, you know, just by the definition of the word awesome, that, you know, your your bowl of cereal you have in the morning is awesome. That comet that just streaked across the sky is awesome. This skyscraper you just built is awesome. So if everything has that same descriptor of awesome, then nothing really stands out at all. So everything kind of has this like flat two-dimensionality to it. But by the end of the movie... it's more of a spiritual realization where you're just like just being alive and being able to experience and feeling this kind of creative energy that in and of itself is awesome so that everything you go out and do kind of has that touch to it so you can bring that kind of energy out into the world with everything you create everything you help other people create and then just working together with other people so it's crazy to me that this this one song can have those two tonal shifts from something being kind of like a, a regimented ordered society to something very free and creative by the end so again just a great touch and of course it gets in your head like nobody's nobody's business thing (laughs) you just can't forget it which is great and uh i i should mention to everybody if you haven't heard like the full version of the song featuring the lonely island they have like a snippet in the actual movie where you hear the lonely island if you go through the soundtrack or find the song elsewhere and listen to the full version with the lonely island they they have these super fun lyrics that are super ridiculous like the example that sticks out in my mind is um lost my job it's a new opportunity more time to spend with my awesome community or something like that yeah yeah. (laughs) it's celebrating all these things that you wouldn't celebrate but hey everything is awesome so i can't celebrate it and it's always got that positive kind of attitude to it so depending Mm -hmm. on how you take it you could look at it pessimistically or optimistically it's just all in how you want to look at it right now what about the score do you did you focus much on the score you know, I didn't. For me, I always have a tough time kind of kind of ferreting out the score in movies because I feel like if it's a if it's a good score doing what it's supposed to do, it kind of blends into the background. Now, I mean, I know that that's not everybody's interpretation of what a score is supposed to do, but for me, for ninety percent of the movie, it is if it is fading into the background and heightening sort of the emotional beats that the narrative is trying to play out, then it's doing its job. If every once in a while it comes forward and really 
picks something up or really highlights a moment, then that's when I stand up and take notice. So for me, the things that I picked out were kind of like silly little things like the y'all ready for this sort of mini montage with uh, Shaq and the NBA All-Stars when they tried to... Oh no, they were ready for that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, they were ready for that. It was just like a fun little five second thing with that like uh, jock jams from like back in the 90s. Right. That was just like a fun little moment. Um, There's a great uh, swelling score when Emmett returns to Lego World. He's got this crazy, raucous, energetic, um, emotional musical return that that's really one of the times that the score picked up for me when he was coming back to kind of actually save the day after his run-in with the humans, uh, the man upstairs. But that was about it. I mean, other than the, than the main theme song and the end credit song, obviously, those are the only things that kind of stood out to me. How about you? As for Mothersbaugh as a composer, I'm not overly familiar with him. Okay. Um, but from what I have heard of him, this is my favorite work. I okay. do have this score on vinyl uh, just because. Well, I mean, why not? Right. I mean, <laughs> and uh, it, it's got an earworm of a main theme. The da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
think of. I mean, there's some that are escaping me right now because they're so obscure. We just happened to cover them on the podcast. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think it was actually for um, Rocket Power. There was, oh, really? I, I think it was Mother's Ball and Devo. Um, they took on a different name. It was some sort of like surf rock name. And I can't remember at the at, uh, right now, but yeah, they did the Nicktoons Rocket Power theme song. Wow, that's really cool. And then I think they actually released a surf rock album just after that. So it must have just been like some sort of experimental thing for them. But yeah, anytime that guy's name shows up, I take a listen because it's always good. It's always interesting, at least. Now, let's move on to the lessons part of the podcast or the the relevance. And, you know, I'm not going to turn this into anything political. Sure. um, But... Watching this movie, this was the first time I'd watched it in a couple of years, despite having watched it four times in theaters, mm-hmm. um, at least in its entirety. And there is a lot of stuff in this movie that is incredibly relevant to the American political climate today. Yep. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, unfortunately, you can kind of take any decent movie with any basic moral message that little kids are supposed to get and apply it to lessons in the political (laughs) climate today it's honestly gotten that bad that we need to be just like look just like go watch bambi go watch the lego movie just just please watch a cartoon movie meant for kids pick a disney film any of them and just see if you can't reconnect with that like five or six year old like that's still in your inside you somewhere because somewhere along the line, we've kind of lost track of these very basic moral tenets that are supposed to guide us through the rest of our lives. And this is, honestly for me, one of the reasons I still try to watch cartoons, to keep that kind of emotional tether so I don't become a president or lord business and, and get so focused on the the numbers and the the, you know, the structural things of the world that I forget how to be creative and playful and fair. Right. Uh, man, there's so many things you could draw from this movie and so many things gone wrong in <laughs> politics today that you might need another podcast just for that. Right. I mean, El- Ellen did the same sort of thing uh, on her show recently talking about Finding Dory right. and its political implications today. Um, and I mean, we can do the same thing. Let's let's just talk through this. So sure. the Lego movie is about an overreaching government. Mm-hmm trying to enforce their whims on the society and the society of people come to work together to show that government that they're not okay with it. And watching that this time around, I was just thinking to myself, this is, this is today. This is, this is what is happening. And I I think it's important to show that again, I'm trying to not get too political. So I'm about to drop this, but um, basically do what's right. Work together show people you care and everything will be awesome. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is that you, you can, to an extent, you can kind of look at movies like this from both sides because uh, the current political situation and landscape is complicated, but you can only take that metaphor so far depending on the side you're on, because most of these do come back to sort of just moral decency and not the, um, not extrapolate not extrapolating that into any sort of like legislation or any sort of right. like more complicated constructs in the real world it always comes back to a golden rule and asking people to kind of just like pause for a moment take a step back ask yourself like what am i doing like just look around for a second stop being so narrow focused in on your your world that you're building that you lose sight of the world around you and the rest of the people in it from all different sorts of backgrounds, whether it's Wild West or a giant pirate made out of, you know, metal robot parts or, or whatever it is. Just 
take that moment to kind of look back, notice that there are other people around you and ask, like, am I doing the right thing, the best thing? Right. And that's that's one thing that this movie, it was nice to kind of go back and watch this again because it's like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm still good. I've still got that emotional tether. I still feel something from this movie. So I think I'm okay still. And uh, relating to the ideas of teamwork and creativity and working together, um, one of my favorite moments in that, that final scene where um, Emmett is talking to Lord Business, he says, look around you. Look at these people who are being inspired by right. each other and by you. We inspire each other. We we being inspired by each other is important and to act on your ideas. Don't, don't stifle yourself. Don't stifle others. Be yourself. Look at somebody else and be inspired by what they are doing. And, uh, uh, that, that goes in hand in hand with the working together, the, the being inspired by each other as well. Yeah. And he even says to him at the end, this is sort of like his, uh, the defeat of president business, but also the moment of redemption because Emmett kind of looks at him. He says, you don't have to be the bad guy. You're the most talented, most interesting, most extraordinary person in the universe. You are capable of anything because you are the special. And so am I. And so is everyone. Now, I know you can take that as like, oh, everybody's special. But honestly, if you just kind of take that to heart and realize that every individual unique person has something individual and unique to offer, and that we only find out what that is and encourage that to actually come about if you kind of work together with people from different backgrounds, different belief systems, different upbringings, the only way you're all going to aim for the best possible scenario for everybody involved is if you encourage those different voices to come out. Because guess what? They might just have a really good idea that helps to save the day. Exactly. And whether it's the boring Emmett or the the super talented um, wild style, you never know where it's going to come from. It could even be president business. And I mean, separate from the ideas of of teamwork and creativity, sometimes it is important to realize that you are more than just a small part right. in a bigger play. You, you right. can sometimes be the major character. You can be the hero. Um, for example, at the very, very beginning of the film, when Emmett finds the piece and he touches it and he has his quote unquote vision, you can actually hear in the background, Finn, the, the human child character says, it's your turn to be the hero. Yep. We can, we can all have our turn to be the hero. To, to be special, you just have to believe you are. And likewise, it's hard to be special when everyone tells you you aren't. So it, it's another example of encouraging each other, not putting people down, right. but also just continuing to put that, that faith in yourself that you can rise to be more than maybe what you are or what you have been and more certainly than what other people tell you you can be. Yeah, and who knows, at the end of the day, you might just find yourself hanging out on a double-decker couch with all new friends. <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't want that? It's a great no, idea. No, I, I certainly want that. <laughs> Any other uh, sort of takeaways from the movie? Um, from the movie itself, not really. I'm just so glad that uh, you invited me to come on the show so I could have an excuse to watch this again, because it had been a while, and I'm really glad that I watched it again. Um, it's a very, It's a feel-good movie. If you need something to kind of lift you out of the sort of the quagmire that social media has become lately and just need something fun and silly and frenetic and heartfelt, then yeah, just pop Lego movie back in and just watch it for about an hour and a half. You'll feel a lot better. Oh, for sure. Um, I actually talked with a friend, with my friend TJ, about Lego movie just last week. And so I watched it for that recording of his podcast. And 
I rewatched it in order to talk about it on this podcast because I, I sort of take the I approach things differently for this show than I might for another. And even watching it that first time, I was looking forward to the second watching the second viewing because it's just a movie like i said it's one of my all-time favorite animated movies i laugh at everything like a crazy person and at the same time i i get teary-eyed in the moments when i'm supposed to and it's just a movie that fills every end of the spectrum for me yeah well said well great um i guess that is the end of the official 28th episode of cinescope thank you so much dave for joining me hey thanks for having me pleasure to be here uh, contact for the show, facebook.com slash Cinescope Podcast or at Cinescope Pod on Twitter. Again, please continue or consider rating and reviewing on iTunes. Email feedback and ideas if you have them to the Cinescope Podcast at gmail.com. And if you are interested in co hosting like Dave just did, if you have a movie that you love, um, think you can talk about it for a little bit, just let me know and we will get you on the show. I would look forward to that. Now, I mentioned I recorded an episode with my friend TJ over the same movie. He has his own new podcast called retake. Um, I will put a link to that episode in the show notes and Hey, I might go ahead and re uh, link our original uh, episode from three years ago, talking about this movie. So you can sort of see how my opinions have changed or not changed over time. I think that's a, a fun way to approach criticism. Um, so Dave, where can people find you online? Sure. The best place to find me is probably on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Claw MD. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm a uh, animation enthusiast, so hopefully Inspector Gadget fans out there will pick up on that reference. Otherwise, you can <laughs> find me at Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and actually at DaveTrumbor.com, where I have some fiction writing of my own up. You can also find me at uh, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com, and remember, that's Morning with a U. That's a podcast that I co-host with a buddy of mine, Sean Paul Ellis. And we, man, we're about to celebrate our third year, and I think we've got 142 episodes in the can, and we go back and watch all kinds of crazy cartoon series from um, all sorts of decades, from the 40s and 50s up until today. And uh, we've been having a really good time with that. We'd love it if you come check us out. Again, that's Saturday Morning Cartoons. Yeah, and like I said, I was just enjoying an episode of that on my way uh, home tonight before I was recording this episode with you. So uh, I can definitely recommend Dave's show to everybody out there and definitely go find him in his other social endeavors as well. Much appreciated. The best place to find me is on Twitter at Chadadada, that is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A, and then on Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins. All the show notes, all my contact information, all Dave's contact information can be found at com. And that is all for this week. One more time, thank you, Dave. Having you on the show has been amazing. Hey, thanks again. Let's do it again sometime. Definitely. And maybe we'll let you pick one of your favorite movies next time because I sort of said, hey, this would work for this week. <laughs> hey, sounds like a plan to me. Excellent. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 28. I'm Chad Hopkins. This was Cinescope, and we'll be back next week with episode 29. Have fun and celebrate movies. Mm-hmm.